It's not always easy to find the positive. You might even need to search for happiness. Sometimes, just a little inspiration can make the difference. Here, it comes from unexpected places. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast. We were discouraged with all the negativity in the world and decided to focus on finding some good out there. Welcome to the Tangential Inspiration Podcast with me, Teresa. And me, Amy. We're two ordinary moms looking for inspiration wherever we can find it. So, Teresa, what are your highs and lows for last week? week? We had a blast last weekend playing disc golf with the boys. Even though it was really hot, we went out early. And played Jackbox in the evening, the oh, game online. Cool. I don't even Just, know about Oh, my that. gosh. You need to play that with your kids. Okay. Super fun. We've done that at Sun River, actually, with my family, too, oh, cool. a long time ago. So, yeah. It's a fun way to get everybody involved. It still has a screen, but okay. pretty funny. The kids yeah. all laughed. And I'm always an easy target. But the downfall to last weekend was me breaking my phone. Oh. I left it on the hood of my car, <laughs> and then we drove off. That was, that was not the best part of the week. But life goes on. I heard three stories recently about dads playing catch with strangers. One is a sweet and sad story about a Missouri dad, Dan Bryan, who lost his 16-year-old son, Ethan, in September 2020 in a car crash. That, that was just in People Magazine. Well, okay, yeah. Okay. It's kind of funny because there's a, I've heard about this story mm-hmm. now three times. Well, and it was too it, sad for me to read the whole yeah, thing. So well, well, I'm glad that you'll paraphrase for yeah, me. Yeah, I'll paraphrase it for you. So Ethan was... His son, Ethan, was on his way home from baseball practice. And he Ethan loved baseball so much, so he learned every position. Dan went into a very dark place after his son's death. Months after his son's memorial service, he found a book someone had given him, A Year of Playing Catch, by Ethan D. Bryant. So isn't that coincidental? I mean, it's the same name yeah. as his son. But anyways, the author, Ethan, is an avid baseball fan and has written about his favorite sport for years. His daughters challenge him to an experiment of playing catch with a stranger for a year. The, this experiment took him across 10 states, 12,000 miles. It was a remarkable opportunity. He swapped stories with public school teachers, veterans, journalists, nurses, musicians, entertainers, athletes from every level, amateur mm. to pro, mm-hmm. even some all-American girl professional baseball wow. league, which is kind of fun. He learned some valuable lessons Play can reignite a fire within you and transform your life, help you find joy in the simple things, and one life can impact a whole community. This experience um, taught him that finding connections and being fully present to the human experience is at the root of happiness. The plot of the book resonated with Dan, who was grieving the loss of his son. Dan decided to honor his son by playing catch with strangers as a way to heal. His first game of catch was with his son's best friend who survived the accident, Tyson Price. Mm. Tyson said playing catch with Dan was like, he said, I think both of us, it was something more like a healing process. It turned into something that's huge and it healed and it's helped so many other people. Ethan's former baseball coach, Bobby Simley, feels the same and said, the way Dan handled it, there's no doubt in my mind that it's helped our community heal. It's helped his classmates heal and his teammates. So Dan schedules his games on Facebook and said the tradition is mending the unspoken pain of others. Mm. And what a beautiful way to honor Dan's son and heal in the process. 
Lastly, I heard about a local dad, John Skuknek from Vancouver, Washington. Oh, okay. He's also hoping to connect with <laughs> others and hear their stories through daily games of catch. It began for John, a lifelong Mariners fan, this past March when the Mariners canceled some games due to labor negotiations. He decided to kick off a year-long endeavor to play catch every day with a stranger. He shared the idea with his wife and sons. And they were like, oh, we think that's stupid. But, you know. <laughs> but anyway, John is on day 140, and he's really touched people's lives. Sometimes the game of cash turns into a deeper conversation. Mm-hmm. Good for him. I know. And the really cool thing is now he's corresponding with the author, Ethan D. Bryan, the, the, right, the, right, the right. year of playing cash. And they have plans to meet up and play some cash later this summer. I just think these two dads with the fun, you know, they're going to have some fun sharing stories. And I just love the root of all three of these stories about play and the power of human connection. Well, and that they took something tragic and have made it into something beautiful through all the tragedy. Yeah. So very cool. Good finds. I'm going to talk about Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hopefully I said that right. Also known as the Greek freak. But before I get into that, I yeah. wanted to quickly just talk about Denzel Washington, who I've, right. I I did an yeah. episode on way back. He, on July 19th, before one of their All-Star games, he came out and paid tribute to Jackie Robinson because oh. it was the 75th anniversary oh, of cool. the first black pro baseball player. That's so And we talked cool. about Jackie Robinson, yeah. too. So I thought that was very cool very that cool. both of them were on there. So just a little fun find I had. Moving on to Giannis, I first was going to do Simu Lee. Okay. So the first movie I saw when theaters started opening up after COVID was Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. I know when we were running, I was yeah. I wanted everybody to go see that. I absolutely loved the movie, was so impressed with Simu Liu, and just excited to finally have, you know, a little more diversity in the superhero yeah, universe. Yeah, for sure. My enthusiasm for his book, We Were Dreamers, was met with objections from my kids, and I had to defend my choice of reading material. Basically, they told me that Lou was canceled, oh. you know, canceled for some insensitive things he posted on social media years ago. Of course, I had to look it up, and I got to say that I admire his response to the whole situation. He acknowledged he had made inappropriate remarks and pointed out that we're all growing, yeah. including him. We That's make mistakes. Brave. I think so, too. We make mistakes and hopefully learn from them. And while I don't condone his behavior by any means, I can respect that he at least acknowledged his immature and very insensitive behavior, learned from it, and most importantly, acted on it. Yeah. So Lou's book was humorous, heartbreaking at the same time. The pressure he had from his, you know, for him to perform from his parents was intense. They were they are Chinese parents. They wanted him to succeed so badly they were willing to allow Lou to live with his grandparents while they completed their studies in another country. So his early years were spent with his grandparents without proper amenities. I mean, they had to heat up water in order to bathe him. They still oh, were happy, wow. but I mean, they yeah. just had nothing. I shouldn't say nothing because they had love and support and gave Lou a sense of comfort being loved unconditionally. When he did eventually move to Canada to be with his mother, he was so homesick to go back to his grandparents. I would highly encourage this read. It's called We Were Dreamers Okay, for everyone, as it does lay out his family's immigrant story, one filled with sacrifices and tireless determination, a life filled with seemingly 
conditional love from his parents Aww, totally yeah. what he felt, or at least that's what it seemed like. His path didn't follow the path his parents envisioned, the path they worked so hard to provide for him. So they definitely yeah. are on different wavelengths. But Lou tried for a time to follow their path, but he just found it didn't make him happy. Quite the opposite, actually. I was sad to read that when he called to tell them he got the role of a lifetime yeah. playing a superhero, they were pretty much indifferent. Aww. It definitely wasn't because they didn't love him. Yeah. Because they most certainly did and do, but they just expressed it differently. Right. Which is always, you know interesting. I just so admire that he followed his own path. Eventually, he has a great sense yeah, of humor. Funny. Yeah, I mean, I he saw is. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And the book's hilarious too. And he clearly doesn't take himself too seriously, which I love that too, yeah. when you can laugh at yourself. Sure. I was definitely inspired by the determination of his family to make a life, you know, better life for them in another country. Well, I think people should definitely read the book since it touches so many factors we don't even consider unless you too are an immigrant. And for those people, I think they'd you know, I think it was fun to read and commiserate yeah. together. I was inspired with this book, but not to the point that I wanted to talk the whole time on him. So, um, and it's probably because I have a very different, my priorities are different compared to his parents. I know that they loved their son just as much as I love my kiddos. They just show it in different ways, which I, as I said, I find fascinating. I just think we can learn a lot from it if we get out of our own little orbit. Right. I knew so after good. that was going to be my next read was going to be Giannis, The Improbable Rise of an NBA MVP by Niran Fader. Not because I'm a big basketball <laughs> fan or anything. Say, yeah. <laughs> but my mom had recommended the movie Rise on Disney Plus yeah. right now. Still going. Still haven't seen the movie. I was waiting until I got through the book and then things just got busy. But it's definitely next in the queue. It's another story of an immigrant family forced out of their country and trying to find a life in another land. I fell in love with Giannis and his family in the prologue and knew instantly that more people need to know about this guy they call the Greek freak. His story seems more like something you'd watch on an after-school special. Yeah. If they still have those, I don't think they... I know, I, I think, love those. Yeah, I think they stopped with those, but... I recently watched the Adam Sandler movie Hustle with Queen oh, Latifah. Yeah. I, see, I haven't seen <gasps> oh, that yet. Uh, yeah, you need to watch that. And when I read... The credits, a whole bunch of actual professional basketball players were on it. It was so good. You got to cool. watch it. But I definitely would watch it again. It was the typical, you know, underdog um, yeah. making it in a movie. Total feel good. But you weren't sure just how realistic it was. Okay. And it was funny that there were a lot of basketball stars in there yeah. that I had no idea they were stars until I read the credits. But Giannis's story gave me the same feeling, but it wasn't fiction. The struggles and hardships were real for yeah. that family. The Antakumpa family had been forced from Nigeria because their country was no longer safe. So they escaped to Greece, living there under the radar because they had no papers or official acceptance. When you're not actually citizens, it makes things difficult. Giannis, along with his brothers, would help his mother sell sunglasses, handbags, CDs, you know, watches, other trinkets on the street. And their sales would determine whether or not they ate. I mean, whether or not they went hungry or had food that night. So the whole family is just trying to sell these little souvenirs. Pretty dire, yeah. They were hungry all the time. And Giannis remembers times his father telling his family that he wasn't hungry, so the dad, you know, wanted his kids to eat. So he would say that he wasn't hungry when they knew it just wasn't the case. He was just sacrificing for them. They weren't just poor. They were barely surviving. And they made the best out of it because they always had each other. Still, I can't imagine how hard that would be for the parents. That's you know, scary. watching that and with your stressful. kids. Yes, and the kids. 
they were evicted often. It was mm. common occurrence. The book actually opens with them needing to somehow get the refrigerator out of the apartment they had been staying in after the landlord refused to extend them any more credit. The brothers came up with a plan to place the refrigerator on a skateboard and wheel it down yeah. the street. Oh, that's really creative. <laughs> I know. <laughs> to a friend's house. Can you picture that? The yeah. Cop, like, yeah, wow. yeah. So they were constantly forced to travel to the next village, sell, sleep, do it again and again. Oh. Even though they had nothing, absolutely no material possessions, they always found joy in each other, which I just love. That's awesome. They had five boys. All of them in the family were active, which isn't surprising since both parents were athletes in their younger years. Charles, the dad, had been a professional soccer player but was forced to retire after an injury. His mom, Veronica had been a high jumper. Wow. So the boys inherited some athletic genes, but not only that, Charles and Veronica taught them hard work and what it meant to be a family. So they had a combination of everything, which I just think is so sweet. Giannis originally wanted to be a soccer player, just like his father. But when he tried out for the team, they said he was too skinny and (laughs) had no muscles. Oh. (laughs) Ouch. So basketball it was. Though his older brother did continue to play soccer, so they did have one, or football, if you're over there, one football player. But what makes Giannis's story so inspiring for me is just his heart and his drive. When he was 13 years old, he went to a basketball camp, and they said he was so mature that he spoke like a 20-year-old. Oh, wow. So, yeah, Yeah. he was forced to grow up at a very early age. I think that's part of what a tight-knit family working together to do everything they could to survive created. Yeah. At camp, he wasn't as strong as the other players, but he decided he'd work 200%. He asked the coach if he could come in early and practice, which Uh, I love. You know, he's a kid. Yeah. So every day he'd arrive 45 minutes early and practice before the camp work even started. So he had this drive early on. Yeah. This book didn't talk about any jealousy or bitterness between the brothers. Instead, they all were genuinely supportive of one another. Giannis and his older brother, Thanis, I'm hoping I'm saying his name right, could never play in the same games because they had to share the same pair of shoes. Uh, That's how much they wanted to play basketball. Thanis was a size 15, and Giannis would have to wear two pairs of socks in order to make them fit. But this family Aww. could really make anything work. Yeah. They were very aware of the difference between want and need. Yeah. One thing Giannis and his brothers really wanted was a PlayStation and a TV to play it on. One Christmas Eve, Giannis started caroling at 6 in the morning. I guess there's a tradition over there where yeah. carolers go you know, home to home and they sing a, a carol for a donation. I'm just paraphrasing yeah. the tradition, but he didn't stop until he made 800 euros enough to buy wow. his family a TV and a PlayStation. Aww. He didn't take any breaks, but pushed all day long from 6 a.m. until 5. And I just love that story. Not because I'm into video games, right. because you know I'm not, but I love his drive and determination. He set a goal and didn't stop until he achieved it. And I love that he was doing it for his family. Yeah, that's so sweet. Making it even better. Their bond just amazed me. How much they cared for each other through it all, particularly Giannis, who would send his paychecks when he did finally make it to the NBA back to his family. Aww. We're not talking a portion of his paycheck. We're talking his paycheck. Wow. Giannis 
His devotion to his family and selfless spirit are one of a kind and so refreshing as well as admirable. One time he was sending his paycheck via Western Union to his family. He didn't have anything left for a taxi to get a (gasps) ride back to Bradley Center for the game. Oh, man. So along drives um, this woman named Jane Gallup. She was a professor at University of Wisconsin-Milwaukee. She was on her way to a game in her Honda Fit. (laughs) You know how small those are. Those are small. So you can picture what's coming. Gallup had been a Bucks fan since 1999 and thought she recognized this gangly black man running towards the stadium. So she pulls over, offers him a ride, and he had to sit sideways in the back in order to fit. Fortunately, he made it to the game and explained the story to his teammates. One of the managers quickly reminded him to never ever get into a car with a stranger ever again. But there's just something so refreshing in Giannis's naivety and just trusting people. Hammond made it very clear, one of the coaches, that next time he needed a ride, he needed to call the team and they would come get him not to to accept a ride from a stranger. His genuine sweetness wasn't just towards his family. The guys on his team weren't used to Giannis calling everyone Mr. Coaches as well as his teammates. Wow. His drive and humility are admirable for sure. Dudley said that Giannis was the guy that didn't care about getting dunked on and that he respected him for that. So this was another player. I think just that it made him grow and he was okay with other people dunking on him because it was helping him get better as well. He also noted that unlike Americans, Giannis had no ego, which I love. He knew he had to constantly improve his game. And for that reason, he carries around a black mead spiral notebook with him to scribble his thoughts. I know that people probably don't remember those little black books with numbers for potential dates and love interests, but that's totally what it reminded me of. And he's updated that whole thing, you know, with his love of the game. And he has it with him at all times, which I think is too cute. Giannis wasn't an instant legend, but with his seven foot three inch wingspan, he had potential. He was also able to play pretty much any position, which I guess isn't that common in basketball. When he was drafted at 18, he said, humbly. I know I'm not ready. I have a lot of work ahead of me, but I'm not afraid. I'll give everything in the court, in the gym, and I will prove to the Milwaukee Bucks that they have made the right choice. So even when he's 18, so he's drafted at 18, it still took them quite a while to get him released, you know, to have the papers for him to come over here. But, and while he was incredibly gifted, that alone didn't make him the player he is today. I think his family and the upbringing greatly contributed to his success as well. You have to really, really want to play basketball if you're willing to take two buses across town with your brothers just to get a little court time, which is exactly what those guys did to play the game. They shared a pair of sneakers. They constantly had their stomachs rumbling from hunger. Remember when I talked about Audrey Hepburn and she limited her movements? Sometimes she would just stay in bed because she didn't want to be hungry and remember the hunger pains. So... These kids, these brothers are doing the opposite. They're yeah. working out Anyways, a lot. Yeah. yeah. And then not having food. But every time he would come home, his father would ask, did you make the most of your time today? Oh, and I yeah. love that so much. Add the support and love from his mother, who would leave him a message after every game. Oh. Every one of them was the same, regardless if they won or lost. And she would say, I'm proud of you. Oh. So by being a positionless basketball player, he had a different and unique versatility. It helped that he wasn't in it for the glory. He wasn't a ball hog, even though he dunked it like it was a Nerf ball, apparently. (laughs) 
Sterling Brown, a teammate, he was a Bucks guard from 2017 to 2020. He said that Giannis have the agility of a ballroom dancer and the power of a bulldozer, which I just love. What a combination. I know, exactly. (laughs) When he dunked on Sergei Ibaka and blocked a shot by DeMar DeRozan, which I guess those were big deals, it appeared that he had arrived. Little interesting trivia that I had no idea, and why would I? The Bucks were owned by Herbert Cole from 1985 to 2014, the same name as the department stores, oh. because his family owned the department stores. He and his oh, brothers, wow. so Herbert Cole and his brother and his father had created the Cole Department family store chain. Cole had played an integral part in keeping the Bucks in Milwaukee because they had wanted to move a yeah. bit. He helped keep them there, so... My favorite story in the book was when Giannis was first playing over here. He was having things installed at his new place. He still was unsure of the United States and really didn't trust anyone, which how could you blame him? Yeah. Since Giannis couldn't be there for the installation, Daniel Marks from the scouting department offered to wait at his place for the cable guy. So Marks arrived at Giannis's apartment at 9, and at 4, they still weren't done. Oh, so oh. he decided to grab a couple Oreos out of the cookie jar. <laughs> The next day, Giannis asked Marks if he ate his cookies. And before he could admit that he had, Giannis pointed out that he left that day. He had 30 Oreos. When he returned, three were missing. (laughs) So he had plenty of money. He played in the NBA, but he wasn't above counting his Oreos. It wasn't so much that he was frugal, though he was for sure, but he was very aware that this could all be taken away from him at any moment. Even when he arrived and he took his family out for a steak dinner, he teased them about the check, noting that he invited them for a steak dinner, not all these extras. So he's going to pay for all these extras. But, of course, he picked up the check. At the time, he told his brothers and parents that just because your bank account changes doesn't mean that you change. So another thing I admired about him. While I loved this book and his story, there were parts I equally hated. It bothered me that this guy was born to parents who had immigrated from Nigeria, and Giannis was born in Greece, raised in Greece, attended their schools, yet neither country validated his existence. Giannis couldn't get a passport and actually travel for games. He couldn't go out of the country until he was 18. So even when he had been in other basketball leagues, he had to stay back where the other kids could go and, and travel. So he couldn't travel until he was 18. Even then, when the NBA and the U.S. were doing what they could, there was so much red tape for this guy. Just didn't, it, it didn't seem like he belonged anywhere. Even though in his mind, he was a Greek citizen and proud of it, which just was heartbreaking to me. He, because he didn't have any papers, Giannis wasn't thrilled when his brother waved the Greek flag when they announced his name as part of the draft. Yeah. Giannis wasn't thrilled with it, in part because... He wasn't into the attention, but mostly because his country had taken so long to grant him papers. And it was funny because Obenheyer, the assistant coach, noted that his brother, Thanasis, was kind of his flavor flay, (laughs) which I thought was kind of funny. He'd later come to terms with it and represent his country, Greece, with pride. But it broke my heart to know how many people are in the same position. They haven't had the opportunities that Giannis got. They haven't been discovered or don't have any extraordinary skills, so they remain countryless. Equally disturbing was to hear the racism he endured. It really opened my eyes that this isn't just a problem we have in the United States, but it's all over. In Greece, just cheering for the wrong team could be deadly. In 1993, 
there was a 24-year-old man stabbed after a game. In 2007, fans from opposing sides set up for a fight, which I can't even imagine, left a 22-year-old man beaten and stabbed to death. I just don't don't get it. I don't either. I don't get that. Even worse was the Golden Dawn, their white supremacist group. Giannis and his brothers knew places to avoid, you know, certain places to walk at night and certain places to stay away from. The group had inched into their government positions. It's like a movie and not one that I would watch. Not one that I could watch. Yeah. But even though Giannis would show up for camps and represent his country in games, showing the world his devotion to Greece, they still, some of them still ripped on him. There were people who worshipped him as well as haters. I guess like most celebrities. There was a huge mural painted of Giannis only to be defaced with swastikas and just other garbage. There's plenty of racism back in the States, too. Giannis had a teammate go to a jewelry store to buy a watch. Now, teammate in the NBA, so he's got money. Assuming he must be a criminal, the owner of the jewelry store locked the doors and called the police. Reminders that we still have so much work to do. horrible. Now, that's a company that I do say cancel on. Sure, (laughs) for sure. Yet another not-so-favorite part of the book was when a player on the opposing team threw some punches at a teammate of Giannis's. Dunleavy must have punched Giannis's teammate Carter Williams bad enough that he chipped some teeth and the guy needed some dental attention. So Giannis came to his defense. He walked up, punched the guy in response, and some Milwaukee fans loved him more for his loyalty and dedication (laughs) to his team and fellow players. I just... Yeah. You know, I know they get heated and all of that, so it was kind of sad to me, but that people would be more excited about him for, yeah. I I understand the loyalty part, but I don't like the violence. Yeah, I agree. The racism and prejudice Giannis could handle, but worse than that was the death of his father. On September 29, 2017, Giannis' girlfriend, Mariah, went and picked up his younger brother, Alex, from school. Odd in itself... An otter when she only told him that he had to be strong for Giannis. Their father had died of a heart attack at just 54 years old. And an eerie part of the story was that there was an exchange between Alex, the youngest brother, and Giannis just two days before their father passed. Alex was skipping a family get-together, saying he couldn't make it because he had plans with friends. And Giannis had told him, That's fine, but I'm just letting you know we got to keep being a family because you never know when mom and dad's not going to be here. Totally sounds like a guilt trip I would give my kids. Right. And obviously Giannis had no idea that two days later he'd have the coaches tell him in the locker room as he was getting ready for practice. I just can't imagine. Giannis just walked out not saying anything, unable to process, unable to speak. He remembered so much of what his dad had taught him, to play hard no matter if you're winning or losing, to take the mental toughness from the court out into the world, to take care of your brothers. He told Giannis, which I love so much, make sure what you give your time to is worth it. You shouldn't wait one more day than what's necessary. If you could accomplish something today, why wait until tomorrow? Go get it today. I, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I need that printed up on my wall. The coaches obviously canceled practice after the news, but it's no surprise that Giannis would head to the facility after and shoot baskets the night his father died. He just needed something to distract him from the pain, and he wanted to focus on something that gave him joy. 
I have a whole new respect and admiration for Kobe Bryant. I always knew he was a gifted basketball player and felt like he had a really kind spirit when I heard him interviewed, but I had no idea to what extent. Yeah. I remember a coworker crying the day he was in that helicopter crash. And while I was sad, I was like, you never knew him. Yeah. And I didn't quite understand it. But the more I, I learn about him, I right. can understand why people would feel so close to him. There aren't words to describe how impressed I am with him. And someday I'll have to do a deep dive on the Black Mamba. But it was a given that Giannis admired and respected Bryant and wanted to emulate him. One night after a game against the Lakers, Kobe Bryant invited Giannis to the Lakers' visiting locker room. Bryant didn't know that Giannis and his brother had shared a pair of Nike Kobe's back in the early days. Or that Kobe was the first playoff game. He was in that first playoff game that Giannis ever watched back in Zipola, an internet cafe with his brothers back in Athens. Wow. So he was elated enough just being in the same room as his idol. Yeah. But Kobe went above and beyond spending close to an hour with Giannis giving him advice to work on his jump shot, get in the gym every day shoot a thousand jumpers a day. He also explained the type of mentality it took to be great. He said, be serious until the last day you play basketball. You have to have that killer mindset that you will not be beat, that you will outwork everybody. Kobe had issued challenges to various players on Twitter as part of his Mamba mentality campaign, and which I think is adorable. Probably not the word they want, yeah. but Giannis tweeted, still waiting for my challenge at Kobe Bryant. <laughs> Kobe responded with one word. Or it's not really a word, but MVP. Oh. Of course, that made Giannis even more determined than ever. He became an MVP not once, but twice. Wow. Um, he was the first international player to have his own signature shoe, Nike Zoom Free 1. And it cracks me up that this guy once returned to PlayStation because he just felt he felt too guilty for the expense. So, as I noted, he won the MVP not once but twice. He had two consecutive wow. most valuable players yeah. for the 2019 and then the 2020 season. And he joins Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and LeBron James, both having two MB- MVPs before they were 26, wow. which is huge. That's huge. You're so young. Holy but probably God. my favorite, his dad jokes. At press oh. conferences and on and um, his social media, yeah, just makes me giggle. I love that he just—he's just cute. I love that he can be a beast on the court, or I guess the Greek freak, following Kobe's advice to outwork everyone to be great. But at the end of the day, it doesn't appear that he takes himself too seriously off yeah. the court. I think his dad jokes are a great way to lighten press conferences and remind us that this guy is more than just a basketball player. Right. Now he's a dad with two sons with his longtime girlfriend, Mariah Riddlespringer. Kids were born in 2020, 2021, and I'm certain that he's making his dad proud, teaching his children lessons he learned from his father, in addition to his challenging upbringing, which taught him tons of lessons in itself. Plus, I'm pretty sure his mom is still calling or leaving a message (laughs) to say I'm proud of you, too. The love and support is definitely mutual. Giannis has his parents with him every time he puts on his jersey, number 34. It represents the years Charles and Veronica were born, 1963 and 1964. So he took the last numbers of their birth years and made his number, which, oh, I know. I just so admire his work ethic. He sets goals and keeps that laser focus even when life brings so many possible distractions. I love his humility. 
He's not ashamed to talk about where he came from or what his family endured. In fact, it adds to his character. He's proud of it. I also really admire his loyalty. He stayed with the Bucks through some rough times, but he kept his promise to prove that they made the right choice with that draft pick so many years ago. The Antacampa family pledged to give $100,000 to the staff of Fiserve Forum for workers who were unable to work during the 2019-2020 NBA shutdown from COVID. Oh, that's super. Very sweet. And the family also donated... 20,000 masks to people in Greece. So helping others. I understand why Giannis has made so many fans, and now I include myself as one of them. He's no longer stateless, but has papers now for Greece and Nigeria. That's awesome. I finished the book, so now I can watch the movie, (laughs) and I'll keep you posted with my Rise review. The thing that's kind of funny with this is that years ago I went to the Nike employee store and... You know, they have all the jerseys there. Yeah. My son wanted a jersey, but for I I just I went to up to an employee and I'm like, okay, which one of these yeah. is a good person? Someone that you can get behind right. and they're not just a great player, but they also have integrity. Yeah. And they were like, hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So um yeah. Now I can say Giannis can I we can be a Bucks fan. Yeah. Go get yourself a jersey. Exactly. <laughs> The father holds the hand of his children for a while, but he holds their hearts forever. That's tattooed on Giannis's right arm. You know that I like to think karma exists. Yeah. yeah. Intellectually, I have my (laughs) doubts. But I have to say, I like the idea of karma. I want good things to happen to people who do good in the world, and I want bad things (laughs) to happen to people who hurt others. All too often, though... This is not how things work out, but sometimes it does. Vasilios Canaris is a 48-year-old restaurateur. He was working on opening a restaurant called The New Southern Kitchen in Hunt Valley, Maryland. Vasilios and his wife had been working around the clock to get the restaurant ready to open when they had a massive electrical problem that shut down the restaurant before they could even open. The electrical repair costs were huge. Most of the money Vasilios was counting on to get the place open were now gone. He had already lost his popular lunch spot, the Krabby Creek, which I think is a cute name, yeah, that's cute. during the COVID shutdowns. And now he thought his comeback restaurant was going to be lost as well. He already was committed to the lease, and he couldn't back out. All his money had already been put into the new southern kitchen. Vasilios's mom, Angela, knew the trouble that he was having. And during lunch with her childhood friend, Angela, who's 85, she mentioned to Josephine Becker, who's 86, that Vasilios was going to lose the restaurant if he couldn't raise some money. So a few days later, Vasilios received a phone call from Yvonne Fishbin, who had been Josephine's daughter. This gets very confusing. Yeah. It was in people. So it was hard <laughs> to follow. I had to look at all the pictures. Yeah. But Yvonne asked Vasilios if the restaurant had a GoFundMe page. Vasilios replied that he did and provided the information. Josephine ended the phone call with words saying, we're going to help you. Oh, that's awesome. So here comes the karma. The karma has been in the waiting for 80 years to restore cosmic balance, if we believe in that. But Josephine (laughs) and Yvonne are Jewish. And in September of 1943, Josephine and eight others had sought a refuge from the Nazis in a small mountainside village in Greece. A winemaker named Elias Mikolos hid nine members of Josephine's family. 
including five-year-old Josephine, on his property during the war. So Nazis had occupied Greece and were deporting any Jews found and send them to concentration camps throughout Europe. Josephine says that her family would not have survived without the help from Mikolo's family. Josephine's family hid in the horse barn, and Elias provided whatever food and comfort he could bring. It was never discovered that Elias had been protecting Jews, but they had found that Elias had helped a British intelligence officer as a punishment. They had burned down Elias's house. Angela remembered moving into the horse barn with Josephine's family for part of the war. The house was rebuilt again, but the Nazis returned, this time blowing it up. After the war, both Josephine's family and Elias's family separately moved to the Baltimore area in the 1950s. Josephine's family tried to repay Elias, but Elias wouldn't accept any payment. The families continued to remain close, celebrating weddings and other family milestones with each other. So you may have already figured this out. Vasilios's mom, Angela, is the daughter of Elias, who had grown up spending time with Josephine. The two have been friends for over 80 years. When Josephine got word out to her family that the grandson of the man who had saved the family needed help, they answered the call. Yvonne put out a call to her siblings and cousins, aunts and uncles, and they all began donating to the GoFundMe page for the new Southern Kitchen. All in all, Josephine's family raised about $10,000 for the Vasilios family, enough to save the restaurant. Josephine's other daughter, Eileen Hollander, said... It wasn't even a question that we would help. There's no way we could ever repay what their family did. A couple weeks ago, the extended families for both families got together for a meal. And you guessed it. It was at the new Southern Kitchen. Maybe karma happens more often than I think. Sometimes it just takes a while. A long while with this story. But yeah, good feels. Before I leave this earth... I'm going to help people have a better future. Giannis Antakupa. Thanks for listening to Tangential Inspiration. We really want to hear from you. Email us your comments or story suggestions at tangentialinspiration at gmail.com or leave a comment on our website, tangentialinspiration.com. Our website has all our podcast episodes, show notes, stories, follow-ups, and links to websites and books we talk about. Like and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast app, and you can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Have a great week.